I get a lot of questions over the years, and one of the questions I get asked all like almost like daily is, how do I deal with my mother, my father? I'm a grown person, but they're still trying to treat me as a kid. Or they say incredibly insensitive things like, when I was your age, I never had to deal with these issues, or this is your problem. And you always feel crappy and terrible and just regretting the idea of you calling them, but you feel connected to them because they're family. They've known you since you were little. Like, what do you do? And that's what we're going to be talking today in this episode. Like, if you have been in any type of crazy interaction with your family and you're like, what do I do as an adult? I still want to stay in contact with them. I still want to connect with them, but it feels very frustrating and very tiring, just to say the least. So this is a message for those of you guys, regardless if you had a happy or unhappy or somewhere in between childhood, perhaps you're estranged. I don't know what your situation is, but I want to be able to support you. So we're going to be talking about how to deal with dysfunctional family members as an adult. You're going to get some really good tips coming to you after this short break. Hey, 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 and welcome to the Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Denise Lee, and I'm a life coach specializing in traumas and addictions. This is really heavy, potent stuff that we're going to be talking about, personal development, self-esteem, confidence, addictions, trauma, all that fun stuff. We're going to be diving into it because in a world that just tells you with enough money and power and security, you'll be healthy and happy and sexy and wonderful, we know that beneath the surface, there lays a cauldron of insecurities and fears and anxieties. And this is what we're going to be doing in this podcast. We're going to be diving in deep so that you can be able to live a happy and fulfilled life. You don't have to fake it until you make it. You can start making it right now, regardless if you've had filed for bankruptcy, whether or not you are trying to lose weight, gain weight, have problems with your kids, having problems with your business, like whatever you got going on, I want to fully support you. So if this is your very first time listening, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button. That way, as soon as I drop an episode, which is usually Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, you'll be able to receive it lickety-split. And those of you guys, my homies, my homegirls, <laughs> my posse who have been listening for quite some time, I just want to invite you to share this podcast with somebody else. This podcast cannot grow without your support. If you've been finding any type of value, any type of insight, if you've been dialing in, regardless if you're a client of mine or not, if you have been finding value, you owe it to your neighbor, you owe it to the people that you care about to be able to help them support themselves if they're going through any trials or any struggles or issues. Here's the thing. I remember in the beginning of my recovery journey, I never wanted to tell anybody that I was in sexaholics anonymous. I was in 12 step recovery programs. It was just like a me, it was a secret between me and my therapist or a, one or two friends. And I realized something that I would be speaking in lingo in terms that ain't nobody understood <laughs> except maybe the people in my 12 step group. And I realized that in order for people to really fully understand me, I need to share my role. I need to be able to be vulnerable enough to let people know who the real version of myself is. Otherwise, I'm just having shallow superficial relationships which fuel the addiction to begin with. And I didn't want any of that. So I would encourage you to let people into your world. Let them know what you're learning from. Let them know about who you really are. And just don't segment just one part of yourself. Like, okay, only this type of people can know. And we're going to be talking about dysfunctional family members and why certain some people can't understand what you're doing. But that's beside the point. If you have someone that you know can benefit and they trust you, and you find value in communicating with them, then you owe it to yourself to 
let people know about the things that you're doing, including listening to this podcast. All right, let me jump off my high horse and just get straight into some other things that will benefit you before we dive more into today's topic. If you haven't done so already, check out denisegelee.com. There you'll be reading like full length articles from me because I got like tons of things on my mind. You just can't stop me. I'm like a geyser just wanting to burst out with just information about addictions and traumas and self-care and love life and communication and all this other stuff as a business owner and as a human being on planet earth. I want to be able to support you with my unfiltered straight to the point advice and I don't really hold back because I believe that life is too short just to cut around the corners and pussyfoot around about stuff that is really going to impact you. I'm not going to not going to belittle your intelligence or your capability on for you to understand who you are and what you are capable of. And that's what denisegelee.com is designed to do is to provide you that information that's going to help you right now succeed. And obviously, if you're interested in working with me, that's a portal where you can be able to sign up for a, a complimentary consultation call. We can, we can see whether or not I am someone that can be able to help you in your personal and professional goals. And then also, let's connect via social media. I am on Twitter, X, whatever they want to call themselves this week. <laughs> My same account is Denise G. Lee. There you will read me kind of just talking off the fly about certain things that have really impacted me. Just today I was talking about psychedelics and why I think that it can cause more harm than good if it's not being used for appropriate purpose. I answer questions. Just a really a fun place for you will see me in a kind of impromptu environment. And so I have a lot of fun there. The people that interact with me, my community has a lot of fun interacting with me. So I'm hoping that if you haven't done so already, we can connect via that platform. That's the only place I'm regularly uh, interacting. Okay. And obviously, if you would like to send me a voicemail message, check out anchor.fm slash Denise Lee. There you'll be able to send me a voicemail message. Make sure that you let me know in the beginning, not the end of the voicemail message, whether or not I have permission to air your pod, air your message in a future podcast. And then let me know, obviously your first name only and what you want to hear from me or a question or just something else. I love to give you a, a shout out. All right, now let's get into today's podcast episodes, dysfunctional members, how to deal with them as an adult. Look, here's the thing. Before I even get to it, I have a question to ask you. What does family mean to you? I mean, for some of you, it means like the bedrock of your identity, your strength, your support. However, I can safely assume because you're listening to this podcast episode, your relationship with your parents, sibling, and extended relatives is a little less than ideal. And look, Dealing with dysfunctional family members is an extremely dense topic. And I'm not even going to sit here and posture and say that listening to this particular podcast episode alone is going to help you fully. I mean, there's books, there's courses on this stuff. But what I will do is try to give you some information that might shift your viewpoint of your mom, your dad, your cousin, your uncle Bob, whoever in your life that's just grating your nerves. I remember talking with a client the other day and she was she's going through some menopausal issues and her mother says, well, when I was your age, I never had menopausal issues. And my client said, and responds back, well, how is that helping me mom? Like what you're saying right now is not even helping me. And a lot of you guys are just dealing with relatives that just say stuff that is just maddening or perhaps they 
are trying to hold you hostage to stuff that you did 20 years ago. Like, I don't know what you've got going on, but oftentimes that pain, that feeling of frustration didn't just start then. And so what we're going to be doing, we're going to be talking about some things from a different angle you may not have heard. And obviously I'm going to give you some tips at the end, but before I do, you have to hear what I have to say, because for a lot of us, our feelings of frustration and chaos, sadly, to sum up heart, is of our making. And let me explain why. <laughs> in the beginning of, this is where I tell on myself, in the beginning of my own recovery restoration process, you know, I there was a common refrain that I would say to anyone who would listen, <laughs> is if you knew the parent who abused me, if you knew all the things they did, you would understand why my life is so freaking hard. Oh gosh, I said that too many times. And I said it when I wanted to avoid stressful situations, to complain about the lack of my career success and to prove to others that they had no business questioning me or what I had to do. And I also said it when I wanted to have strikes with strangers in a dangerous place to call a friend every night and complain about my problems. And then I wondered why they stopped returning my calls because every day I would just call and complain, but you know, go figure. And I also use it to justify crazy and chaotic relationships. Have you ever thought about the things that you say to yourself, especially saying something like, if it wasn't for my mom or my dad, I wouldn't be in the crap hole that I am right now. And speaking about my mom, <laughs> I, I honestly don't know my mother. You know, I lived with her for 13 years. Those 13 years were long and pain filled. And all I knew was that I was, I lived in dysfunctional fa- with a family member. I lived with a dysfunctional family member who had little to no resistance to doing deplorable things. I mean, this was the person who would make bad checks. She was the person who would try to starve one of my brothers. She was the person that would get naked and run around the house. Like for whatever reason, she just did just really insane things. And in my mind, I just concluded that she was just crazy. The end, you know, trauma and abuse have a way of distorting reality. And I never even paused and thought to myself that People who have hurt us, have abused us, who have misled us, they were victims themselves. They were victims of someone who damaged them in one way, distorted their own sense of reality and what was normal, what was appropriate. And it caused them to say certain things and do certain things that made sense in their own mind, but didn't make sense in order to have a healthy and productive interaction with somebody. And so... When I think about my mother, I I just thought of her as the devil incarnate. You know, she was just this monstrous person who delighted in sexually molesting me, attempting to just do this horrible things. I remember once I even heard that she sued the church. She sued, she, she sued the church because she slipped and fell somewhere. She was going to that church for like 20 plus years. The church even gave her some money, but she wanted more money. She sued the church. She just did some really terrible things. And I just thought to myself, I, I can't interact with someone so deplorable. And even as I say all of this, I still don't know her. Clearly she has mental issues, but what would cause a person to commit such terrible acts? And so when you're thinking about your mother that says impolite things or your dad who frequently 
spurts out and and says this really harmful, hurtful things. Ask yourself, what would cause a human being to say such things? What happened in their past to make them think it's okay? When we are able to finally pause and ask ourselves, what's going on beyond what we see? Once we start getting a little about curious about how people are behaving, then we can be able to start to think of things from a, oh my gosh, a grief and just so much confusion to more curiosity. And once we get more curious, we're not going to feel so darn angry all the time. We're not going to want to amplify their crazy with more crazy. Like, for example, I was just thinking about when (laughs) this was like early 2000s. It was me and my brother's more my brother and my father, we went out to, we went island hopping. We went to St. Kicks. We went to, not Grenada. We, we went to another island. I forgot where we went. Here I am in this five-star beautiful Marriott hotel, drunk as a skunk because I'm mad that my father said something that I believe, I don't even remember what he said, but I remember just getting drunk and sad and lonely because I felt like I, we, we, we went thousands of miles away from home and that we would be able to connect with each other. We were on vacation as adults and he still treated me as if I was an incompetent little girl. I'm a grown ass woman and I just felt so sad. And I, instead of just asking myself, gee, what's the motivation behind why my father says them, said something harmful what I believed harmful at the time to me, I just decided just to self-loathe. A lot of us don't stop and think and ask ourselves the reasons behind why certain people are doing certain things. And now in my own sense of restoration, I am thinking about things differently, you know, to be honest with you. I'm thinking about certain conversations differently. I'm thinking about certain behaviors differently. I'm not thinking of it as they're trying to hurt me and make me feel miserable. I'm looking at it as a dis- emotionally disabled person who has problems communicating. And I have a failure of treating co- with compassion someone who clearly doesn't have the same skill set, emotional skill set that I have di- have accumulated over the years. Emotional, unresolved emotional pain frequently distorts reality. Cause it, so right now you might be listening like, oh, that's awesome, Denise. But... If you knew my father, my no good son of a bitch father, then you wouldn't be saying anything about that. You don't know when he smacked me around. You don't know when my cousin uh, um, molested me. You don't know them. And they're saying that to put it all on, is water on the bridge, no big deal. You don't know them. Like, I don't know them. But what I do know is that if you have unresolved emotional pain, it's distorting reality then and now. And I'm saying this as someone who struggled with alcohol and and sex addiction for many years. This is the fact. The fact is people with unresolved traumas and addiction often avoid asking the hard questions because they're so addicted to stress hormones like norepinephrine, cortisol, adrenaline. And it's much more better to come up on a high horse and say, I'm better than you. And they're son of a, they're no good sons of bitches and they're terrible people. Therefore, I'm just going to avoid them or I'm just going to complain about them or I want to just fight fire with fire and yell back at them. And this solves nothing. All it does is just cements you as a victim. And I implore you again, this is a time you need to be more curious about why you're reacting, why they're reacting certain ways and look 
at yourself as less as a victim and more as a curious human being. Now, in the next section, we're going to be talking about how you deal with dysfunctional family members. But at least I just want to paint the picture for you right now is that for a lot of us, we've never stopped and asked ourselves why we feel heard and a, and feeling neglected. And it's because we're only looking at things from a very subjective, narrow perspective. And once we're able to like unpack what really happened, if we know from our family members, or perhaps we were going through issues where we were in self-pity and self-loathing, we're not thinking things clearly. Them or us aren't thinking things clearly. So how can we be really objective? How can we be able to communicate in a healthy, mature way? We just absolutely can't. So I invite you to be curious and and talking about curiosity, stay tuned after this short break and we'll talk about how you can be able to deal with dysfunctional family members as an adult. All right, so stay tuned. We'll get straight to it. All right, we're continuing this conversation about dealing with dysfunctional family members as an adult. And I just want to let you know that most people aren't intentionally trying to be jerks. Most people aren't intentionally trying to make your life a living hell. And if they are, they clearly have emotional issues that they need to resolve. And is unless you are a licensed therapist or they're under your care, which they probably won't be because it's a violation of ethics if they're a family member to be their personal therapist or doctor. Anyway, unless you are willing to take an objective viewpoint, you're not going to have healthy relationships. That's just a darn fact. And so I want you to just take away your feelings of hurt and sadness and anger and say, what caused someone to behave that way? Even if it doesn't make any sense. And I remember as my, one of my brothers would accuse my, she would, is accused my husband of being racist. Like, well, your husband, he's, who's, who's Chinese, doesn't like black people. And I'm like, I've been married with Hoi for almost 12 years. How can he be racist? But there always is a slither of truth in every accusation, as, as insane as it sounds. My husband, before we even met, he told me that when he was growing up in the project, he experienced a lot of, 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 of crimes and a lot of bad things coming from, from the from the African-American community, his mother would feel very scared to be around black people because they were the ones who he would hear about in the news about raping and mugging and doing all these things. And even Hoy said, when we met, he's like, I've had a lot of biases because I didn't know any black people, but I realized that I need to judge each person as they are. So here's the thing, behind the sliver, there's always, sorry, pardon me, there's always a sliver of truth in what any body said, even if it sounds crazy, your job is to get curious and understand it. And unfortunately, with my brother and my husband, they never sat down and talked about the reasons why my brother felt that way, because he's an active alcoholic, so you can't really talk to a drunk. But <laughs> the idea is we need to be able to have these honest conversations so that we can clear up all the, the, the angst, the the sub feelings behind it, not just say making sweeping conclusions and say, well, this is why I don't like interacting or this is why I don't like you. There's always reasons behind it. And more people would have healthier communications with others if they got real and honest. Okay. Now let's talk about this idea of dealing with dysfunctional family members. Look, here's the thing. While I may not know your background, 
And I don't know who said what, did what to you to make you feel sad, insignificant, unimportant, or worthless. I'm not even trying to justify their behavior then or now. However, I want you to understand that it's entirely up to you to decide the level of interaction you want to have with any family member. For example, for safety reasons, I can't allow my son to interact with my mother. That's just a choice I made alongside my husband because she's a pedophile. You don't let pedophiles around kids. That's just kind of like common sense. Or maybe if we do in the future, it's going to be supervised. I don't know. But right now, for safety reasons, it is clear my mother is still has a penchant for young, young, young people. It's not something I even want to allow. Okay. But you need to decide for yourself, for safety, security reasons, that level of involvement. That's up to you. I don't know you if you're if you're a client of mine. Obviously, we can talk about more in details this podcast. I'm just speaking in generalities. I don't know your situations, but just in general, you have to be able to balance safety, security with your level of interaction. There are just some people you go up in their house and they just want to, they're klepto. They want to steal stuff. They are, they might want to not. Even if you set boundaries about how long they stay or what they can do, they want to violate your trust. Like, I don't know. You have to be able to put on your thinking cap and understand that other person and, and while balancing your needs for safety. So that being said, here are some tips that are going to help you dealing with dysfunctional family members. The first thing is to set limit. We're going to be set, talking about setting limits to how often you will hear or speak to them. And then we're going to talk about setting limits to what you will speak about. But first, let's talk about setting limits about the frequency of calls or a visit. I remember a, uh, a very popular therapist, Dr. Pat Allen, would say that you always want to make sure you make peace with your relatives because you never know the day that they'll die, your mom, your dad, you, whoever. And she always would say that, you know, even if it's like making an appointment for like once a week for 10 minutes, set a timer for 10 minutes and just let them talk about whatever. Maybe that's what will give you peace of mind if they're elderly, you know, they're going to die. I don't know what will work for you, but I do know that if you want to have sanity, you're going to have to predetermine how long you're going to talk to them, where you're going to talk to them. You know, for some people, they just might feel comfortable just having monthly calls in the beginning. And not, and we're going to talk about what you talk about or don't talk about during the call. That's a separate issue. But even just setting limits about the frequency can really change the, the, the viewpoint of you have toward communication. The reason why some of you guys are so angry talking with your certain relatives is that you talk with them too damn much. Maybe you'll like them more if you only talk to them once a week. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I don't know. You have to decide for yourself what that looks like. I will never try to tell any of my clients about how much they should talk, if they should visit in person or not. That's just a personal decision. But I will talk about, the next thing is talk, limiting about your talking points. And this is a common, common thing that I hear from clients is that they want to share wildly personal information about their finances or their sex life, like a parent talking to their kid. And if you grew up in a situation where your mom or your dad would tell deeply personal information about your sex, their sex life or show you porn or any kind of stuff, it's kind of damaging. And for a lot of us, if we grew up feeling that we had to take care emotionally and sometimes financially, our, our parents, 
it distorts who's the parent, who's the child. And as an adult, you may find yourself in codependency, addiction to people, feeling, becoming a people pleaser, becoming a perfectionist, because you're so used to trying to buttress up the faultiness of your parent or parents. And that just causes a lot of anxiety within you because you don't even know who you are unless you're pleasing other people. And I get that. And so as an adult, if you want to live healthier, if you want to be able to interact with your parents without wanting to pull your hair out, this is the time where you're going to have to set limits as to what y'all going to be talking about. Do you, is talking about finances a no-go? Is it talking about sex life? Is it talking about how you raise your kids? Is it talking about how you're growing your business? Like you need to have some lines in the sand where you are not available for certain conversations. And this is how it will go. Okay. So if you're like, what, how do I say this, Denise? This is what I would say. I was like, well, I appreciate what you're saying about fill in the blank topic because you want to give people validation for being around you. They don't have to be around you. Even the people that you don't like, they feel that they're getting more value with you than alone. So give them praise. Give them a, in psychology terms, they call it, give it a stroke. Give them a stroke. Make them feel good for being around you. You don't want to just launch straight into, I don't like what you're doing. We're not doing that. We are able to communicate in a way where everyone feels appreciated. So I appreciate what you're saying. However, I don't feel comfortable about talking with this. I would prefer to talk with a expert who's more familiar with these ideas or because of our past negative experiences. I don't think it is a good idea. Be very clear about what you think based on facts or how you feel based on sadness or or this or feeling despondent or feeling irritated. Be very clear and then say, thank you very much. And then don't even give, don't give rationales. Don't try to get into anything else. Just state it very clear, very matter of fact. A lot of you guys, the reason why you're having so much heartache dealing with some relatives is that you're giving way too much press with someone who has a low emotional capacity. And then you're wondering why you feel stressed out. Like, what did you expect from someone who didn't know how to communicate their own needs properly with other people? Just ain't going to fly. Something for you to think about. Now, as I kind of wrap up today's conversation with you, I have a question for you. Who is just bugging you out? Who is giving you frustration within your family members? And my question to you is, why do they cause you frustration? What part of you that is creating some frustration? Are you lashing out? Are you, is your 80% of all communications nonverbal? Are you rolling eyes? Just your, is your gestures or you're not paying attention to them, giving them eye contact? That can snowball. So this is where I want to ask you to challenge your own approach to them. Challenge how you view them. Are you more just thinking that they're just terrible and they're wrong? Or they think, are you looking at them as a wounded human being just like you are who's just trying to do the best that they can right now? And then also, what are you going to do in terms of the things that you talk about and what types of things are you going to be talking about? Because oftentimes you may just need to just back off a little bit and literally let them know, hey, I want to have a good relationship with you. Therefore, I'm going to have to limit my communication while I learn how to communicate better. 
Be honest. There's no reason to lie. Well, I would love to hear from you. Let's talk via social media on, on X, Twitter, whatever. <laughs> Denise G. Lee, I'd like to talk with you if you're on Spotify. Send me a voicemail message. And then obviously, if you're a client of mine and you're listening to this, let, let's talk about it. Let's schedule a call. Let's talk about it. You know, I'm, a, I'm down for it. And just know that we can't change people, but we can change how we deal with our with themselves and ourselves in turn. So it all really depends on you. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast episode, please share it far and wide. Let, let the news go out and uh, write a review, review if you've been enjoying this podcast in general. Well, that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and be awesome.